Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined in the star line by former Walt Disney Studios executive, now author of Whitney Wins Everything. We welcome Sasha Graham. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Sasha, let's go beyond the mic. Why was developing the Tiny Ninja series so important for you? It was important to me because I had always worked for other people. When I came upon this idea of the Tiny Ninja and it being the best version of us, you know, this personification of this compassionate, brave, kind inner voice, I thought this is something that could be really, really valuable and really important. Who is your Tiny Ninja growing up? I mean, who developed your Tiny Ninja? Hmm. You know, this is kind of an interesting question for me because I very early on made all of these really, really close friends. So I can look at every period of my life and identify who my best friend was in that point. Like, so I had Sarah and then I had Melissa and then I had Sandy and then I had another Melissa and Samantha. Now my best friend is Jeff. And all of these people played just an absolutely fundamental role in making me who I am today. In Whitney Wins Everything, the title character is left out of a party because of her competitive nature and her competitive success. How do we balance a need to win and winning the right way? Well, I think that there are lots of different ways to win, right? And I think that those of us who are really ambitious and want to do a lot of things, that it can be easy to get a little bit of tunnel vision and think there's only one way to do it. And the magic of this story is that Whitney, as a first grader, discovers that the way that she's always done things isn't serving her anymore. That she thought that as long as she kept winning and she kept getting picked first for the teams, that she was going to achieve success. And suddenly she realized that this wasn't working anymore. And so she was able to change course and continue to win because I'm not suggesting that you have to lose in order to find success, but she could continue to win, but do it in this new way and with teammates and really achieve success in this way that would serve her moving forward. Sasha, how is Whitney a mirror image of your own life? I mean, you were successful starting at 22, writing intros and outros for George Takai, and now you've worked your way up through Walt Disney Studios Executive. Now you're an author of multiple books. Well, first of all, I love sports. So in that way, Whitney and I are very, very similar. You know, I played on a state championship basketball team. I still play sand volleyball once a week with my husband. And so in that way, you know, this competitive nature when it comes to sports is something that I love and I'm very familiar and comfortable with. As far as success in all these other external ways, you know, I think that what I've learned as I've, as I've gotten a little bit older is that, you know, the best way to a experience these things is with our teammates, you know, with people who are there to experience it with us, because none of it means anything if we don't have people in our corner who are cheering for us and who we in turn are cheering for. Is there a way helping children when they're challenged with adversity where they feel rewarded against the fight rather than, oh my gosh, it's adversity. How do I handle this? Right. Well, that's my big argument for keeping score in youth sports that, you know, a lot of the sports that my kids played up through elementary school, even um, they didn't keep score. And it was this idea that we would spare kids the agony of defeat and instead would develop this love of playing sports for the sake of playing sports. When in fact, you know, I think that you can both keep score and 
enjoy a sport. You can lose and enjoy a sport. And it teaches our kids that losing is not the worst thing in the world. That, in fact, when you get knocked down, the most valuable thing you can learn is to get back up and to go and fight another day, play another their game you know that there's always something new coming down the pike sasha does participation trophies and giving trophies to everyone hurt kids mm-hmm. i mean you were an amazing writer but you were paired up with a great illustrator we all have different talents and god knows i can't play baseball right i think you touched on a couple of really interesting things one is this idea of this external motivation right well are we motivated because we're going to get an award because we're going to get a trophy and is that why we're doing it or you know like we're our intentions are that we're actually going to do it just for loving the sport. I think that with kids in particular and youth sports, that there is a huge community for youth sports, but there are so many other ways for kids to find success now. You know, my kids were all on the chess team, for instance. The chess team, they're not going to give you a trophy if you come in, you know, last place, that, that you get a trophy for playing chess if you win the chess tournament, right? And so I think that it's really important to, you know, award things for actual accomplishments. I don't know if it's hurting kids or not to get participation trophies. You know, it's uh, that is data that I certainly don't have, but I'm a big proponent for giving awards for accomplishment, for sure. As kids head into school, how do you balance your thoughts with the thoughts of some coaches who believe you're either a winner or a loser? Hmm. You know, I actually haven't run into a lot of coaches like that. I have had a lot of coaches in my life. I think that coaches are incredibly important and that we need more of them. It can be a thankless job. You know, I go to games, I go to youth sports games, and People are yelling at the players, parents are yelling at the players and yelling at the coaches and at the refs, you know, as if it's an NBA, you know, championship game. And so I have a big spot in my heart for people who will volunteer their time or, you know, make this their life's work to coach other people, no matter if it's a sport or if it's in something else. You know, I do think, of course, that there's a balance between this you know, win everything attitude and, you know, what we're actually doing out here. And I think that, you know, something like Ted Lasso was so incredibly valuable for us because his whole attitude was, look, I'm out here to develop these young men when he was coaching college as people, you know, we're, we're developing people and no matter how old we are. And that's of course, what happens in the show is that he realizes that even these professional footballers in England, they were still developing as people too. And when we recognize that and that this journey is long and that we are always working to, you know, get a little bit better and get a little bit more insightful, you know, the better it will be for us. Author of Whitney Wins Everything, Sasha Graham joins us beyond the mic and she's been dreading it, but it's time for the Rocky Nate. Eight random questions. Answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. There is no pressure. Hit me, Sean. Hit me. Least favorite personality trait of yours? I am delightful. Why would I have a least favorite personality trait? You know, humility? (laughs) Favorite Disney princess? Oh, you know, I like all of the really strong, feisty princesses. So, like, I worked on the movie Mulan. Mulan was amazing. She was so cool. And actually, this is a weird coincidence. Jeff Timmons, who you had on recently from 98 Degrees, contributed a song to Mulan. So I think I actually met him at one point. Very nice. Would you ever Uh live in a tiny house? 
Absolutely. As long as I was the only one living there. Oops, your husband's left out in the cold. <laughs> we can have adjoining tiny houses. I mean, he is a wonderful human being, but he's six foot five. You know, I mean, a tiny house might not be the best the best jam for as a him. six foot man i would i totally agree my wife wants to get a rv and i just like i don't want my feet hanging off the end of the bed because it's dangling <laughs> favorite ghost town to visit hmm, bisbee arizona or maybe jerome jerome i would have also, also accepted really jerome yeah. <laughs> what's the best gift you've ever received from your kids you know this is why people hate the rock and eight questions <laughs> The best gift I ever received from my kids. Okay, I'm going to give a tiny bit of background, which is that a few years ago, I had made this rule in my house that we would never get a hoverboard, right? You know, those things that were starting on fire spontaneously at some point. And so my son, who was about 10 at the time, said, hey, mom, I really want to get my brother something for Christmas. And he might have been even younger. And I said, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Yes, let me know what it is. I'll go have these with you. And so he said it's a hoverboard. I want to give him a hoverboard. And so of course, then I had to do it because he had, you know, made it into this wonderful, uh, compassionate thing. So we, of course, ended up with a hoverboard. And since then, they've all gotten very into gift giving. And so my best friend is in town, he took them to the mall, and they all went shopping for me. I don't know what they actually got for me. But I do know that they had their photos taken for the very first time at ages 11, 14, and 16 with the Easter Bunny and brought me home this photo of them with the Easter Bunny. So that's a pretty darn good gift. Sasha, is it easier or harder since your husband is a pediatrician when your kids get sick? <laughs> so we have a joke in our house that I'm the fake doctor because he gets all caught in the weeds because he is actually an intensive care pediatrician. And so it's a lot easier when they come to me and I say, I push on something and say, is this where it hurts? <laughs> What's your favorite thing to order when you're at PF Chang's? Oh, orange chicken by far. What's the last book you read? Uh, I read for the second time for my book club, the midnight library. That was the last novel that I read, but I just recently revisited. I need my monster, the picture book. And you know, that it's a great book. It's time for the back half with author of Whitney Wins Everything, Sasha Granby on the mic. Sasha, what's your definition of winning? I think making it through the rockin' eight questions. <laughs> I'll allow it. You play on a sand volleyball team every Tuesday night. How do you balance winning, exercise, and friendship? Well, so this was part of the motivation for writing Whitney Wins Everything, was that I've played on this sand volleyball team for years, and I found that I'd gotten so competitive or I was still so competitive that it would ruin it when we wouldn't win. I started sort of, you know, calling down our team to only the best athletes and, you know, sort of forgetting to remind people of games if they, you know, hadn't performed the week before. And you I did realized, not. I realized that maybe that was Sasha. I realized that maybe that wasn't the best, the best way to be in the world. <laughs> wow. Oh, you're getting all the deep, dark secrets today, Sean. Sasha, let's get serious for a moment. How did the pandemic change the way you write, teach, learn, and live? So interestingly, I was listening to your interview with Jeff Timmons, and he was talking about how he used that time to really like get in the best shape of his life and to be creative and work on all these projects. And that was not my experience. You know, my husband works in the ICU, so he's a frontline worker. So our stress levels just on the daily were, were way up there. And 
I found that I couldn't concentrate on anything. I I was writing, but just as a process, just as a way to process the things that were happening, wasn't being creative. And then I realized that I could listen to podcasts and I could listen to audiobooks. I couldn't read, but I could listen to things. So I walked miles with my dog and listened to these things during the pandemic. And that was the way that I sort of got through it. The difference in the way that I teach, you know, we ended up doing homeschool with our kids. You know, we, we put them in virtual school. And so I was literally teaching. And so I would say that the, the main thing that it did for me was gave me just an extraordinary amount of respect for these people who make teaching their life's work because it isn't easy. So which one of your kids was the hardest to teach? They were all very different. One of my kids, my middle son, his name is Indy. He's named after Indiana Jones. He is very self-motivated. He would do all of his work. He would get done really fast. My daughter loves a lot of interaction. So we worked, she's 11. We worked a ton together. We read a ton together. Um, And then I have a son who was a freshman in high school at the time. He's a sophomore now. And I mean, who the heck knows what happened there, right? Because he's uh, was a freshman in high school. So I, it, he may or may not have gone to school all year, as far as I know. With your husband being a pediatrician, how did the pandemic change the way you appreciate your husband? Interestingly, so my husband and I have a really, really close relationship prior to the pandemic, post-pandemic. So actually, the way that it changed me was that it made me very protective of him and the healthcare workers in general that... They have worked extraordinarily hard the last couple of years, and they were already working extraordinarily hard. So I have just the utmost respect for him and his coworkers and all healthcare workers. And, you know, it makes me even that much more grateful to have him. From the tiny ninja onesies to the tiny ninja earrings you're wearing, you're the master of merchandising. <laughs> Why was merchandising the tiny ninja brand important? Well, I can't speak for other people. I can tell you that having worked for the Walt Disney Studios, uh, you know, using I'm the master of merchandising, <laughs> Disney does it better than anybody, right? They, they've got the market cornered on this. And part of the reason why people like it so much is because it's fun. You know, it's fun to have your Whitney Wins Everything water bottle or flip-flops because if it's something that you love, you want to have it out there. It's part of your identity. So I have had a very, very good time. My illustrator, Angelina Valieva, is just a marvel. And her art combined with these products is, you know, it's just incredible. Sasha, what's your secret personality? That's Sasha that you keep hidden. Uh, The part of me that people don't know is that I'm very much an introvert. I get my energy from being alone and reading and, um, you know, back to your pandemic question, boy, having everybody around in my house, because there are five people who live here, um, it was a lot for me to not have that alone time. So I would say that. I would say also that, you know, I dreamt of being a cardiac surgeon for a lot of years and spent a summer watching open heart surgeries when I was in middle school. So, you know, that side of me, you know, having that just fascination with medicine and the ability to understand the human body, I would say that's another thing people don't know about me. Wow. You've worked at UPN, did publicity at Disney, raised money for the Scottsdale Desert Stages Theater. You're a board member to the Giving Group. Why was it so important for you to give back? I think it was Jeffrey Katzenberg who said, you have not lived until you have given. No, he did not say that. He said, if you do not give, you do not live. He said something like that. And the idea being that we are not really living if we're not giving back. And that's truly how I feel, that... 
we think that we are giving to benefit other people when in fact, when we donate our time or our energy or our resources or our expertise, we're really the ones who benefit. Author of Whitney Wins Everything, Sasha Graham joins us beyond the mic. Sasha, what's your best moments from your time in Oregon? So I grew up on a farm in Oregon and I had a horse named Jim and my very best friend, her name was Sarah. She's still a very close friend of mine. She boarded her horse named Rusty at our house and Sarah and I would go down to the barn and we would put bridles on our horses. We wouldn't ever bother with saddles and we would jump on those horses and we would take off. And how long would you ride? For as long as we possibly could. We would take those sweet horses into the pond. I remember actually like the horses swimming underneath us in the pond. We would go and stand on their backs to pick plums from the trees in the orchard behind our house. We would find, you know, these roads where we could canter just as fast as we could. It was, you know, we'd be out there until the sunset. As a graduate of the University of San Francisco, what were your dreams leading you and how has those dreams changed? So this is kind of an interesting thing is that I grew up without a television. And then first thing I did when I got to college was I declared myself a broadcast communication major because I wanted to be the next Jane Pauley. Once I got into my studies and I started actually having opportunities to work a little bit on air and then working for the TV station and doing a little bit of on-air work for them, both my senior year and after graduation, honestly, it was the getting myself ready. I was like, I do not want a job where I have to do my hair and makeup every single day for work. I wanted one where I could sit in my sweats and I could, you know, pull my hair up in a messy bun. So had it not been for, you know, that one component of the job, I, you know, I might be on CNN today. Who knows? Sasha, you don't relate to the quote yoga and bubble bath form of self-care unquote. When your kids are screaming and your husband's late, what do you do to relieve stress? Uh, you know, I think that this will be an unpopular thing to say because I think that it's, um, but it's exercise. I love to exercise. You know, it's either that or find a small room in my house where nobody knows that where I am and close and lock the door. So Sasha, what's your biggest weakness? I think that my biggest weakness is my reluctance to show vulnerability and my reluctance to say when I don't know something that that is something that I've worked on for a long time. And it's something that my husband is really, really good at, that he's so confident in what he knows and what he doesn't know, that when something comes up that he doesn't understand, he is completely comfortable saying, I've never heard of that, or I don't know what that is. Whereas I will try to fake it till I make it because I don't want people to know when I don't know something. What do people come to you for? I speak pretty good Spanish. I lived in Oaxaca, Mexico when I was a kid. So my best friend, actually, he had a housekeeper at one point when we worked at Disney who didn't speak any English. And so every time he had to talk to his housekeeper, he would call me from his office and, you know, patch me in so that I could talk to his housekeeper. So, hey, that was I was a go to for that. There are people in this world who, instead of building and creating like what you're doing, are nothing but destructive. As someone who is always looking for the positive How do you handle destructive people? Boy, I try to handle them with a lot of compassion because it feels so much better to build other people up and to build ourselves up that when somebody is like that, and we have all met people like that, some of us are related to people like that, it is so sad to me to think that your life 
things have happened that have caused you to be that way. Who inspires you, Sasha? Creative people who aren't afraid to do something completely new. So I was just reading about that our local bookstore is doing their drag queen story time is coming back up. And I was looking at these drag queens and kings and I was thinking, you are doing something that is so outside of the mainstream and you're doing it really, really well. And that I find incredibly inspiring. It's time for one big question with a tiny ninja herself, Sasha Graham, author of Whitney Wins Everything Beyond the Mic. Sasha, what's the one thing that you had in your childhood that you wish your children could experience? My brother Carson and I were very, very close growing up. And we had this idea, we lived, you know, at the foot of this forest outside of town in Silverton, Oregon. And we had this idea that we were going to go camping. And so we got a couple friends and we loaded up, of course, before any of our camping gear, we loaded up all this food and we took all of that up into the forest first, dropped it off, came back down to get, you know, a sleeping bag and tents and things. And by the time we got up there, this pack of coyotes and coyote pups were all tearing into the food and there was food going everywhere and we were scared to death because these were wild animals were eating all of our food and we went running hell-bent for leather out of the forest and that feeling of nature and being with your sibling and being outside and something kind of scary but also being safe that's what I wish my kids could experience. Author Sasha Graham grew up without a television named her son after Indiana Jones and actually an introvert. Her latest book is Whitney Wins Everything. Sasha, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you very much. I've had a blast. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic.